This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, NATO held a summit of its leaders with big consequences for the war in Ukraine. Now, it's very easy to get lost in the assumed knowledge of these big news stories. So in this Squiz Shortcut, we'll go back to basics and get you across NATO and its involvement in the Ukraine war so far, as well as what the military alliance has to do with the future of the war and of Ukraine. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, first up, the summit was held in Vilnius, which is the capital of Lithuania. So it's probably worth getting our bearings and saying where Lithuania actually is, because it does have some symbolism to it. It sure does. Lithuania is a small nation in the east of Europe. Uh, It actually shares borders with Belarus and Russia. And Russia's President Vladimir Putin has complained a fair bit about NATO coming too close to its borders. So hosting this summit there is just a bit cheeky. (laughs) And, of course, Vladimir Putin and Russia's invasion of Ukraine was the big agenda item at the summit. It is fair to say that the incursion has reshaped the military landscape of Europe and the world, and NATO leaders were there to further shape their own response. And we'll get more into NATO's response soon, but first, Claire, I reckon we should give NATO a proper introduction. It's the North Atlantic Treaty Organisation. It was formed after World War II and it was between European nations as well as the United States and Canada. It started with 12 nations and steadily added members throughout the decades. Yes, and the point of the group is collective security, nations banding together to deter attacks on any one of them. And in fact, and this is important, an attack on any one member is considered an attack on all of the members. Yeah, so if you're, you know, casually going out for coffee with your mates and they mention Article 5 of NATO, (laughs) uh, it's a very, very good reason because it's the thing that makes NATO what it is. Uh, It is the reason not to pick a fight with any NATO member. What Article 5 says is the parties agree that an armed attack against one or more of them in Europe or North America shall be considered an attack against them all. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah. Now, another significant thing to note about NATO, particularly at this moment in time, is that it was originally created as a defence against Soviet aggression. Yeah, it's a whole part of history that we don't have time really to get (laughs) into today. But of course, the Soviet Union was that very big block that crumbled in the 90s. Uh, One of the big nations of the Soviet Union, Russia, uh, of course, came out of that. And it hasn't always been, despite that history, uh, a frosty relationship between NATO and Russia. Mm. Uh, They used to have a working relationship, but after Russia's first invasion of Ukrainian territory, which happened when they annexed Crimea in 2014, NATO suspended that partnership. And then, of course, last year, Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And part of the reason that Russia launched that war was because Ukraine's new president, Volodymyr Zelensky, was friendly with NATO. 
and Putin did not want Ukraine to join NATO. Yeah, so this goes to that map and it's an interesting part of the development of NATO and one of the big issues that, of course, Putin has had is that as nations join, they get closer and closer to the Russian border. Uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is exactly the kind of aggression, though, that the alliance was set up to protect against. And so NATO hasn't sent troops to Ukraine. Ukraine is not a member. Their member countries, though, have been instrumental in helping Ukraine Ukraine defend against Russia's invasion. Yeah, NATO has been supporting Ukraine with everything from coordinating military supplies to training Ukrainian soldiers and generally just helping Ukraine to have the most advanced, well-supplied military that it can in its fight to get Russia off its land. Yeah, and a lot of the discussion of the last 18 months has been exactly that, just how much support can they give, what kind of weapons can they support Ukraine with, Mm. Uh, because Russia, of course, could get very angry with the sort of support, and that's an issue for NATO nations. Um, Just looking back in exactly how much support NATO nations have given, uh, talk about $80 billion plus over the last 18 months or so. Mm. Yes. And it's fair to say, I think, Claire, without NATO's support, Ukraine would have been overrun a long time ago. But now let's look at the future of NATO and its relationship with Ukraine, which is a question with a lot of interest at this week's Vilnius Summit. So we're at a place now where Ukraine is fighting off Russia, NATO members are supplying huge amounts of support, but the war seems to be setting in for the long grind. So the question is, where does NATO go from here? And there are a couple of things to note that have happened so far this year. Yeah, so I guess the first one, it's a very important fact that NATO has grown since the start of the war. Uh, Russia's invasion prompted two countries that were always neutral to actually come out and support NATO, Mm. and that's Finland and Sweden. It was a really big development in terms of nations lining up on one side or the other. Yes, and they've both actually applied to join NATO and Finland's application has gone through and they officially joined the alliance in April of this year. Now, Sweden, the other country, are very close to officially joining. Yeah, and that's been held up because every NATO nation has to agree to new members uh, before they're allowed to join that club. And Turkey and Hungary both had some issues with Sweden. Uh, They wanted to deal with those before they were going to get permission to join, but reports say that that's all dealt with now. Yes, and NATO is clearly very happy about having Finland and Sweden in the group because, and this goes back to that idea of collective security, the more people in the group, the bigger your fist, the bigger the deterrence against attacks. But it isn't always the case that NATO wants to add anyone who wants to join. No, and I think what you're hinting at there, Alex, Mm. is that the issue is about Ukraine's potential membership. Uh, In September last year, Ukraine formally applied to join NATO, but there's a whole history about Ukraine's uh, desire to join that pact. Yes, and it is a tricky one precisely because of that collective security arrangement where if one member is attacked, all members must defend it. NATO members have said that Ukraine will eventually become a member, but they're worried about the fact that Ukraine is currently at war with Russia. So there's no question that Ukraine would become a member during that conflict. Vladimir Zelensky, though, who of course is the president of Ukraine, wants Ukraine to become a NATO member as soon as possible. Mm. But 
also as soon as the conflict is over. And it does raise a problem for NATO because they're reluctant to add members that are too close to Russia because of that conflict issue, managing that relationship. Mm. Uh, Any incursion from Russia would basically mean that all of NATO would have to go to war. Yes, that is the major, major consideration. They don't want to spark off World War III. But there's another consideration with the timing, which is that promising Ukraine membership as soon as the war is over could actually have the perverse effect of giving Russia and Vladimir Putin a reason not to end the war with Ukraine, to keep it going as long as possible to avoid Ukraine becoming a NATO member. Yeah, and all of this is playing out at this meeting at the moment Mm. uh, and how that will all be recorded in history is what they call the communique. That's the agreement, basically, an account from those members at the table about what is going down and what they agree to. Uh, What that communique will read is that Ukraine's future is in NATO. Uh, Further, it goes on to say, we will be in a position to extend an invitation to Ukraine to join the alliance when allies agree, and this is the kicker, and conditions are met. Exactly. That's the kicker. And reading between the lines, it means that Ukraine, you're going to have to wait for membership. Yeah, and that communique follows pretty much the lead from United States President Joe Biden and what he has said about this recently, which is that Ukraine does have a place in NATO, but they'll only start considering all of that after the end of the Russian invasion. So that is how NATO is approaching its relationship with Ukraine. But to finish, Claire, I thought maybe let's step back and consider how significant Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been for NATO itself. They've added two new members and the conflict has really revitalised and refocused the group. Yeah, and that's the thing about these organisations that are decades old. Their relevance is something that's always under review, but the war in Ukraine really has made NATO very, very relevant Mm. in the current day. Mm. Um, These summits have only in the past been held every two or three years, but it's notable that this week's summit uh, is the fourth since the start of Russia's invasion. And Claire, another thing that's coming out of this summit, well, you mentioned before the cost of continuing to support Ukraine, that $80 billion that's already been spent. Mm. One thing that is being discussed is how to keep that support for Ukraine. Yeah, of course, it's very expensive. And one of the things is that given it's a very difficult thing uh, to stay united and to manage that, they really do have to focus on what's quite a compelling story. And that is that Russia and Putin tried to prevent NATO from growing but instead NATO only got stronger. And that is your shortcut to NATO and Ukraine's relationship. On to our recommendations. Claire, we didn't get to mention Australia's part in NATO, but our Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has been at the last couple of meetings and we're going to link to a page on the NATO website that explains the relationship between Australia and NATO. Yep, definitely getting invites to those at the moment because, of course, Australia has done a fair bit. So that's a good one to get across. Um, We talked about that map and actually understanding it. And, of course, podcasts are really difficult to be visual, but a map of exactly how NATO has expanded to the east towards Russia is something to see and understand why Russia uh, has that paranoia. So just got a bit of a map and a bit of explainer about that. Those links will be in the show notes. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, please tell people about the podcast. And if you have any requests, you can send them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. And in the meantime, there are plenty more episodes for you to have a listen to. So get on to that. Until next time. <laughs>